0: Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Welcome
1: to the Meta Hour podcast with Sharon Salzberg, where Buddhist wisdom meets everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, visit www.dot.beherenownetwork.dot.com/slash/sharon. Enjoy listening. Hi, I'm Sharon Salzberg, and I'm thrilled today to welcome the very talented Alanis Morissette to the Real Love series, right here on the Sharon Salzberg Meta Hour. Alanis Morissette is one of the most influential singer-songwriter-musicians in contemporary music, with sales of over 60 million albums worldwide. She's a dedicated advocate of female empowerment, spiritual, psychological, and physical wellness, and the advancement of children's education. Welcome, Alanis. Hello. I'm so glad you're, you're here talking to me. Oh, um, I think most of my listeners are really very intense fans of your music. So I thought we might start today with the side of you that people are a little less familiar with, which is outside of the music world. Mm-hmm. You're a long-time seeker, as I understand. I've spent a lot of time studying developmental psychology and attachment theory, internal family systems, somatic experiencing, and shadow work, to name a few, as well as a lot of work around addiction and codependence recovery. Mm. Can you tell us what started this journey for you and what focus it's currently taking for you?
0: Um. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me, and it's such an honor to be speaking with you. I just wanted to make sure I said that before I began. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I've been—I think, based on my temperament and my um, my role in my family, to be honest, as a young child, was that of therapist and was that of attempting to control chaos and and playing that that juicy role in my family. So it, I started quite young with wanting to understand the human condition for several reasons one just because I was innately curious about it about how we operate and why we're here etc some of the some of the loftier more fun questions for me and then also as a survival strategy to figure out if I, I thought that if I could figure out why people were behaving in certain ways they were behaving namely family members etc that somehow I could control it um, mm-hmm. and I and I could help you know so the idea of, of being of service was intentional for varying reasons um, from the time, as far back as I can remember, actually. And then for a long time in my career, um, writing music, uh, I would write the songs initially for myself to to gain some level of clarity or understanding. And then I realized that upon sharing it, that people would make these songs their own and they would they would use it in whatever way they they deemed necessary in the mo- their, that moment in their mm-hmm. life. So, it was a, it was a very convenient way to be expressed and serviceful at the same time. So, I, I felt really blessed for that.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah,
0: and then in terms of coming to to what you just described, for a long time people were really encouraging me within the industry to, to pick a lane, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. to stay in my lane, and and uh, in some ways remain one-dimensionalized and even you know they would have sort of a reductive view of me whereas you know I I'd, I'd be wanting to be somewhat academic in moments and psychologically inclined and I was made fun of the, for that and then of course there was the rock and roll and all these different aspects of of my own personal self that was that was wanting to be expressed and it's only been lately in in what we call these so-called modern times where it's um it's actually become kind of hip to to mm-hmm. be integrated and to be more whole in a way. So it's less about um, cutting parts of myself off depending upon what context I'm in and, and more just showing up as who I am regardless of what environment I'm in. It's convenient.
1: <laughs> it's very convenient <laughs> and services. it's different. <laughs> Say again? It's very different than yeah. it used to be.
0: Yeah, right? Do you notice that?
1: Well, I notice it in the realms of meditation or a word like mindfulness or even compassion where... You know, if you were a, a practitioner like a serious practitioner and you were uh, not so much in the arts, but if you were an uh, uh, academic or right. uh, you were a doctor a or something or yeah. a banker, you'd kind of hide it, you know? You right. wouldn't want people was to be around it. Yeah, it was. Kind of, it was like, "Oh, you're odd." <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: you're and, and even the even the terms the the disparaging terms they had where it was woo-woo or whatever those words were, I just right. it's horrifying. But now uh, it seems to be less and less the case, which is really relaxing.
1: Yeah, it is very much so. (laughs) (laughs) It's so relaxing.
0: Good for the nervous system.
1: Yeah, we belong, hey? Yeah, imagine that. (laughs) It's great. It's funny. So you've been incredibly outspoken about your own personal confrontation with codependency and addiction recovery. And from the Buddhist perspective, desire is named as the first of the five hindrances that affect our experience. And um, their hindrances because they're seductive and they promise a lot and deliver a little. Mm. And uh, part of the path of getting free is not so much killing desire, which doesn't actually work, mm. but opening our fields of desire to truer things like friendship or belonging or connection. Mm. Um, does that resonate with you in your path?
0: Yeah. I, uh, the, going from the hedonic pleasure or aversion mm-hmm. pain avoidance thing to the eudaimonic sort of more engagement Flourishing, I, I think of it in terms of inside out versus outside in, you know, mm-hmm. and and I, I appreciate both. I appreciate you know us being animals and seeking pleasure, mm-hmm. that dopamine kind of hit. I call it a happy hit, you know, and it's it and like you just <laughs> said, it's so temporary. Yeah. Um. But for me, it's it's been a combination of to be perfectly transparent, the the bouncing between the both, and I've just noticed that there's more of a an ongoing sort of steady current of, of a, a felt sense of the truth of who I am, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: from the eudaimonic, um, less chasing and more, more grounded, you know, not, might even look like just eyes closed, looking down at the ground while I'm walking. If there's mayhem all around me, mm-hmm. um, and for me, service, you know, as far back as I can remember, my, my, my mom, especially was very intent on having service be the the platform from which all things bound from, you know, so, um, so yeah, being being of service has been is where I find my greatest sense of well-being. And then the, the the major important caveat for me is to make sure that I take care of my body and that I don't mm-hmm. complete obli- completely obliterate self in order to just show up. You know, mm-hmm, cause that's, mm-hmm. um, and then the developmental immaturity issues, which is which seems to be more of an accurate way of describing codependence, because codependence is has been a term that. I think it's been misunderstood by a lot of people, mm-hmm. but working with Pia melody and just looking at self-care and, and boundaries and being in reality versus fantasy and having a sense of one's own needs and wants and, and reaching that middle path, kind of moderation balance. You know, the, mm-hmm. these are these are this is the grand invitation of of maturing and so many ways to get there, you know, whether it's through therapy or through marriage or through friendship, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. in my professional environments, you know, I'm constantly being called to grow up. And, um, and it's, it's, it's quite a lovely invitation. It's narrowing yeah. at times.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Well, I wrote, um, my, my most recent book was called Real Love and I almost wrote the whole book because of one line in a movie. Mm. Uh, The movie was Dan in Real Life, um, which was maybe 10 years old, something like that. Okay. And um, the line is, love is not a feeling, it's an ability. Mm, I love that. And I was so taken with that because it matched my own experiences in meditation practice so strongly where I saw there's so many ways I thought of love as in someone else's hands, which meant they could bestow it upon me or Mm. take it away from me. Yes. And if they took it away I'd have nothing. Whereas if it was an ability, it was mine. It was inside yes. me. Mind Mine agency. to nurture.
0: Yes. And and if we could add to the word ability, it would be the ability to express who we innately are at our core. Yes. yes. You know, and if we are love at our core, if we are consciousness or light or all these gorgeous words that, that chase the ineffable, undefinable thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's it's the ability to articulate that, you know, and um, but there's so many messages in, in culture in general that they don't even in parenting context. Like there's no separation of behavior and and the core of who that person innately is. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the whole idea of being bad or sinners or, you know, someone behave acts out and all of a sudden they're a bad person, as opposed to in this behavior in this context doesn't work. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that, and I, I I think of love as a as an as a verb in a way too. You know, because so many pe- so many relationships broke up because the feeling of infatuation um, would wane, and then yeah. a lot of times I would just be dumped <laughs> because they, they didn't feel so loving toward me anymore. I was like, well, that's inevitable in any relationship. There's yeah, going to be moments, yeah. right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some place in which I guess you yourself have, have called yourself a love addict. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, a, a, I mean, the love addiction is really an addiction mm-hmm. of, uh, toward a person, and I actually would say it's an, it's an impersonal person, you know. It's, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's less about love. It's more about the addiction to an avoidant, you know, someone who seeks intensity outside of the relationship and specifically doesn't want to turn around and meet, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's mm-hmm. their survival strategy. Um, so, yeah, for me, recovery has been about, the underlying issues and the traumas mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. that were under that were underneath the desire to have the dopamine and have mm-hmm. the, the the perpetual hunger, as I called it, you know that that would have me choose people who who simply couldn't meet me, you know. And I think from what I've learned from from my own recovery journey and through Pia Melody is that the love addict seems to want connection, um, but they're actually very terrified of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the avoidant mm-hmm. seems to want to get away and doesn't want connection, but they actually are very vulnerable to being um, abandoned and rejected, too. So there's there's an equal sort of fraught relationship with the idea of connection. So mm-hmm. I've been in recovery for that for a long time, multiple whack-a-mole addictions that, that have <laughs> just, you know, yeah. depends on which one's abated for a hot second. and. And so much of it is just the, the recovery of, of trauma for yeah, me in my yeah, past. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think for everybody, really, I mean one way I think trauma is sometimes defined is is being frozen. Yes, you know it's like all that energy, all that potential. yeah like capacity is like locked down and yes. so. and it's so I mean,
0: bright that it'll it'll depress us or it'll yeah. it'll make us sick, you know, and fight flight freeze, then the new ones have collapse. And tend to be friend too that was a big one for me as like from a Canadian culture was
1: when,
0: <laughs> when, when things hit certain fans that I would just go toward yeah. the fire you know and I'm like what am I doing I'm moving toward the fire but that was just a, one of my survival strategies so yeah so um, yeah it's just about waking up to to survival strategies and um, and that what you just mentioned about I call it sort of this current of energy within us that is so powerful um, that courses through us at varying speeds, and that we have to be responsible for it in some way. And and if we don't know how to, or if I don't know how to, then it it can quickly turn into anxiety and depression and chronic dysregulation. And mm-hmm. and I don't, our bodies weren't built to be mm-hmm. in chronic dysregulation like that.
1: I think my mood today is such <laughs> that. I'm How's thinking, your mood? <laughs> and my mood today is such that I think it's a miracle we survive, and no, you know, know as burdensome and kind of onerous as these survival mechanisms become when they're no longer needed, yeah, you know when we have yeah. other options, you yeah. know what a thing we made it, you know no, like, we're still here we're, we're still here we are, we're still here, we're
0: just we're trying to make it work,
1: <laughs> which is pretty great, you know, it's and awesome. I think it's a miracle it is a miracle <laughs> and and the more we like um I've really felt this through my meditation practice and my reading in Buddhism and so on, the more we move away from right and wrong and good and bad to yeah. suffering and the end of suffering. Yes. as how we assess things, you know, things we feel and things we fear and, you know, other yes. people's behavior, mm. the better off we are.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that sounds so lovely on paper. and It seems to be such a challenging thing to do because yeah. on an animal level we're so – we get very limbic and very animal and mm-hmm. responsive in that way. And then then some, like you said, we get frozen in it, you know, so it's like this, this thawing where we can get that neofrontal cortex of our brain back online because mm-hmm. it's, it's the, it's the potential for what's possible and it can helm the whole, the whole journey. But if we're subject to, to our survival mechanisms and our animal responses, we'll stay stuck there, you know, and, so much anxiety and depression and, and chronic stress and work addiction in, in culture today. Um that, that that has become a whole new element of of my what I what I call my service servicefulness just to just to touch on that because our mm-hmm. bodies are our bodies are um you know are are unrested. <laughs>
1: yes, not very much so. Yeah. I mean I said to a friend uh just today actually I had breakfast with somebody um and I said, I think you're moving down the chakras, you know. <laughs> I think you you're kind of moved from like open-heartedness to like survival. But you know what? I think right. you're in the – things are happening in your life that that makes sense, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, because it, it is circumstantial sometimes, circumstantial, yeah. biochemical, hormonal, you know, neurobiological. It's, it's, it's so many things to take into account. We are these gorgeous, complex creatures with this – the, like this delightful light in the, in the center of it, and we can so easily lose sight of it if one thing is off, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: You know, you're so um, forthright, which is such a gift for people, and you're well known for deeply honest and very personal songwriting. And here I have a quote from oh, one of your songs. You say that most, of, well, it's not from your song, it's about the songs. Most of the songs are in a roundabout way actually addressed to myself. Mm. there's a certain aspect of the songs that 's very confessional, very unadulterated. It was a very unfettered spiritual experience mm. so that 's a beautiful and I think very true comment mm. on on creativity
0: yeah, the idea of being able to show up and surrender at the same time, you know so it's it's being very alert um and yet it's very feminine for me too, like very receptive, clear the mind completely and just let whatever is to come through mm-hmm. in, in any given mm-hmm. moment come through. Um, and like I said earlier, at, at first it's just for me, you know, and it's a very self-focused, self-expressed thing. And then once it's finished, I completely let go and I, I let it be, uh, I let it be other people's at um, other people's interpretations of it, it's always really satisfying for me to hear people's interpretations of any words mm-hmm. that I've written, and
1: mm-hmm. often it has
0: nothing to do with what I wrote. It's, great, it's right.
1: great. <laughs> right? What did they hear? <laughs> How did
0: yes. they hear that? Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's great. Well, I often, you know, like I've. From the time I was a child I wanted to be a writer. I never actually thought I could and then I finally did it and so ah. um now I can't stop and, <laughs> Good. And just,
0: we win, by the way. <laughs> Thank Your you. audience wins. <laughs> <Keep Thank doing. laughs> you.
1: you know, and it's I look back at the things I wrote and I think I don't actually remember writing it. Right. You know, which yeah. is kinda of remarkable.
0: You were in that zone. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's it's the use of the mind as a as a s as a filter, you know, it's like the the, my brain becomes secondary so that I can articulate something or choose words or but the actual message or the current um, is in the driver's seat. so it's really exciting. I also noticed too in, in having performed a lot of the songs, particularly the more the more sort of angry emotive I mean they're all emotive frankly mm-hmm. but, um, but performing those again and again, what I did notice about art. When it's singular, and meaning when it's in a vacuum or when it's being written alone in a studio in my case, is that the process is very cathartic, even performing on stage. But it doesn't become healing for me until it's relational. So mm-hmm. you know I may I may run you know, I may have a, a conflict with someone and then I run away and write about it. And if I never really resolve it within my own self within a context of therapy or with the person directly, I can sing that song 150,000 times and the catharsis will remain, the movement mm. of energy will remain, but the actual healing experience is still just out of reach for the fact that it's not relational. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was a big revelation for me around, around thinking uh, yeah. that I could get away with you know, not interacting with humans. <laughs> I'll just write songs for the rest of my life and not have to talk to anybody.
1: It's <laughs> interesting. Well, rumor has it you're writing a
0: book. Yes, written a book. I'm writing. I'm about twelve hundred pages in, and I'm clearly going to need to edit. Um, (laughs) I think so. But you think (laughs) a little War and Peace? Um, So yeah, it's a a lot of stories, and for me, you know, the idea of just telling stories in and of itself was never compelling enough without some sort of um, intentionality of servicefulness imbued into it. So. There's some informal and formal and, you know, humor-filled teaching throughout all of it. And um, it's it's gotten to that place where now it's just editing itself. It's just writing itself. And that's the flow that I was waiting for. And I, I truly believe in divine timing. So although I have been talking about this book for way too long in my mind, um, <laughs> it is eventually going to be ready over the next year.
1: <laughs> that's fantastic. I turned it in real love um, two years late and one day early. Oh, there you go. I, I was extremely <laughs> proud of the one day. <laughs> It's like, look, oh, I turned it turned in early. Like I was,
0: I was in some sort of d- divine timing aspect. <laughs> That's great. Really. No, I love that you're writing. It's such a service. It's such a gift.
1: Thank you. I mean, for me, it's you know that that form of creativity is very connected to love. You know, it's 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 about connection. Mm, yeah. And even if the person is not in the room, I don't tend to imagine the reader. or Something like that, but I just feel them, you know. Yes. I feel there's someone out there.
0: Yeah, it's very relational when we're writing, right? Because it is—it mm-hmm. is—it's like a dialogue or an exchange. Um, and I'm teaching again at fourteen forty yeah. later in the year, and, and the title of the this particular one is called "Connection as a Way of Life." Uh huh. Oh, wonderful. And I just love, you know, ever since I was really little, I think that's what started my tendency toward inquiry to this degree. It was. Was feeling the the suffering or the that rupture of disconnection from my own self or from spirit or God or oneness consciousness or feeling the disconnection in relationships and mm-hmm. and how um what a, what a lie it is and that's why it feels so terrible you know it's like yeah it's it just speaks such a lie about the truth of our interconnectivity so it sounds like from what I've read of yours and from what I sense from you too that. It's, this element of connection being the the true north is is something that we might share would you say that
1: <laughs> I would say that absolutely when are you teaching I'd love to come to your oh, course early October October 5 <laughs> through uh, 12 let's check it out I but you know no really for me connection is everything I was just telling someone the story about when I started teaching meditation which was 1974 Wow um, and I was teaching with friends and colleagues and I um, the format of our intensive retreats, which is the form we were teaching in, is that you kind of practice all day, and there's teacher contact with questions and answers and stuff, but there's one formal lecture every night, and I was too petrified to ever, ever give it. Mm. Um, I, my big fear was that I was going to be sitting up there, my mind would go blank, and I'd just be sitting up there. Yeah, you could only hope that would happen, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> so, uh uh But I went through a whole process, and I realized, you know, the whole thing about giving the lecture is about connection mm. you know they're not actually sitting out there you know waiting for my expertise they want to feel connected mm. to this process and it's their own process because they're meditating themselves and wow. you know they they want some context they want some some sense of a larger sense of connection and once i got that then i could give talks
0: wow and then what what did you notice changed in you even just in your sitting up front like what what changed was it just that you you were okay with, with letting what was to come out of you come out of you? Or what did it look like? How did it change?
1: It looked a lot like that. And it, it looked like not, not having the need to be perfect. Uh, yeah. Like if I didn't know how to pronounce something, I'd actually say that. How do you say that word? <laughs> nice, that's so, that's <laughs> you so know, nice. and it was just us. It wasn't like they're out there, you know, right? looking at me, wanting to judge me. It's like, here we are together. Yeah,
0: let's engage in this together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Wow, what a service.
1: And sometimes people tell me, like, who are performers that uh, have a difficult time actually performing, that if they do a kind of loving kindness or compassion practice for the audience, that they, they get to that same space, you know, that here we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite felt experiences in my body is when is when the audience is just lit up with love, and I'm lit up with love, and it, you know, certainly it's it's wordless in a sense. I mean, there's lyrics, mm-hmm. but it's it's this wordless connection on a macrocosmic level too. So, I love the idea of having my consciousness bounce between the micro, tiny, searingly present moments. You know, say with my daughter or my son when we're quiet alone in a hotel room or in our living room, and then and then bouncing it out to to the whole um, to the whole world, the whole city, the whole country, the whole universe. Really, it's for me, I, I have to bounce between the two because if I get too mired in in a sense of one, it's like, I don't know, somehow ungrounding for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So how is it when you teach at a place like 1440 or, you know, it's such a different format than being on the stage?
0: Yeah, I get to tap into the more academic, um, super receptive to, like there is a there is a silence in the mind and then I just kind of tune into whose hair might be on fire in the room or what, mm. what is the most burning inquiry uh, movement in the room or, you know, um, and then I have my agenda, you know, wanting to share with people. Um, I think I was born also to just render pithy or to distill somewhat complicated ideas <laughs> in, into a, a palatable kind of understandable, hopefully understandable way so that it can, it can, people can take that home and, and use it, you know, so if I say a hundred things and one thing is serviceful for someone to take them from B to C on their personal evolutionary alphabet or R to S, you know, then, then that would be a wonderful thing. So for me, I just, I just it's like throwing it all out uh, with people. And then if there's something that resonates personally to them in any given moment, wonderful. And then getting pieces of feedback as we go along of, of what, People might want to hear more about or less about, or it's it's such a give and take. You know, it's it's definitely uh, sitting across from each other in so many ways.
1: That's fantastic. Is that your experience too, or it's? I mean, it, it's it is very much my experience. And um, you know, when we first began teaching in this country, it was all in the form of intensive retreats, so that was a little harder to access, and you had to be highly highly motivated. And these days, when meditation is so much more accessible. Um, it's actually the range of people in the room is pretty broad, mm-hmm. and it's pretty exciting, you know, just to see this common endeavor and this willingness to to go within and to pay attention. Because one of the things I would say about the word connection, um, for me, it's also very empowering because mm. you know it doesn't mean like if you're drinking a cup of tea, um, you got to trade in the cup of tea for a better cup of tea. <laughs> it means you have to be present with what is in a very different way yes and and that is up to us, you know so that too is very empowering in the sense mm-hmm. that love is a an ability
0: yes yeah, and there's no there's not that that sort of rough uh resistance you know it's like the resistance is so physically exhausting for me yeah you know? so so when there's that searing presence with what is and not fighting it you know and then then if there is some behavioral or some circumstantial thing to be shifted it will be born from that right mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's um yeah i mean i say this as though i do it every day <laughs> 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 oh. uh, <laughs> i uh, that's i aspire but yeah, the the, inter, the interpersonal muscle of, of going within, you know, it's sensation for those of us who are particularly highly sensitive, temperamentally or otherwise, mm-hmm. um, it can be so overwhelming and overstimulating in a way. So for me, it's, It's cultivating that interiority muscle and that interpersonal muscle, but it's also for me pacing myself. And Mm -hmm. I used to be really hard on myself around seeking distraction. You know, I just thought, okay, I've got this whole perfectionistic thing that that you touched on a second ago, like wanting to be mindful, wanting to be present, wanting to not – check out you know, and all these all of these mandates that I had for myself, but mm-hmm. just realizing that whatever's happening right now, including my dissociation mm-hmm. you know, is can also be included in that sort of compassionate observation. And uh and including when I'm not so compassionately observing, you know, mm-hmm. that voice mm-hmm. that can be so um cruel. You yeah. know, just just yeah. watching that voice and going, Ah, this this voice has some some goal here, yeah, some, yeah. usually of protection, you know, trying to protect me or, or you know, guide me somewhere where it thinks I'll be safer in its own, from its own perception. But um, I, I just love how multitudinous the whole internal landscape is, you know, and um, and then every once in a while I have to watch Bart Simpson just to, just to
1: take a <laughs> break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I love that, really. I mean, yeah. so, you know, I usually... And also being a lover of language, you know, many times, many, many times people will say to me, um, how can I stay mindful after this retreat or how can I keep mindfulness all day long at work? And mm-hmm. my response is, you're not going to, you know, that's yeah, not going to happen, you. <laughs> you know, but you're going to learn how to begin again. You're going to learn how to come back. You're going to learn how to start over more gracefully with a better lightness of heart you know and yeah that's the whole point you know to think that something's going to happen you're going to be able to hold on to is a big mistake
0: yeah and it's still that it's going through that perfectionistic filter Mm -hmm. right it's like Mm -hmm. somehow that there's some idealized end point or some finish line whereby when we reach it then you know my my fantasy was always such that i thought that i'd get to this so-called finish line and that somehow I'd be regulated, you know, I'd have Mm -hmm. social well-being, positive feelings, life satisfaction, physical health, no depression, no anxiety, no stress, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just like, okay, well, um, that might be, that might be the case when I'm not in my body anymore, but Mm -hmm. there's so many experiences being in the body and, and coming back to it, like you just said, and, and saying, okay, what's happening now?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that was the primary and maybe most important lesson of meditation practice for me was you can start over, mm. you can begin again. You know, like yeah. nothing is like unalterably oh, you ruined. It.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Can you, can you say that again? That last couple. I words? said
1: no, nothing is unalterably ruined. Ah, oh, yeah. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at that. You know, maybe there's lessons learned or amends to be made or whatever. But mm. everybody makes mistakes. You know, yeah. so let's learn how to let go and and come back.
0: Yeah. And that some of these sensations and, and, you know, feelings and thoughts that are thinking us and the feelings in the chest or the throat, you know, mm-hmm. that they, that a lot of them have messages, you know, yeah. that, of yeah. of something and, um, you know, being, for me being responsible and listening to them, not acting on them immediately, but just mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. attempting to see what messages they may be attempting to give me. Um, but I, you know, my, my, challenge has been that they're so intense that there's an urgency and that's why writing has been so powerful for me because mm-hmm. when they are, when these feelings and sensations and multiple thoughts happen, as soon as I start writing them down and questioning them or even expressing them through art it takes the, it takes the power out of them a little bit. It sort of softens it all a bit.
1: That's so great. Mm-hmm. I mean it's almost like a holistic, uh, one's whole life is like the creative medium you know and anything you do Toward healing mm. uh, has a place, yes, you know it doesn't have to be only meditation or you yeah
0: know. yeah, there's so many portals to to that felt sense of connection, you know it's sometimes it's bottom up through the body, sometimes it's through the intellect, through some flash of insight through through movement, you know through mm-hmm. painting through through teaching and I mean there's so many ways um, and then I notice that I quickly didn't get depressed when I when I don't move that energy, or and, and sometimes mm-hmm. when I say move that energy, it can look like me sitting still in meditation. Mm-hmm. That's a version mm-hmm. of moving the energy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So you have a, a personal meditation practice.
0: I do. I I kind mm-hmm. of I consider them. Some of them are really formal, as in you know sitting down and mm-hmm. in, in silence watching the thoughts. As gently as possible, <laughs> as witnessly <laughs> as possible. That's great. <laughs> um, and then other, you know, other forms of meditation, walking, and even just relational meditation, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. observing and being fully present, and attempting to be as great of a listener as I can be, is a form of meditation for me. Spending time with my kids, um, just really being there for a friend sitting across from me mm-hmm. feels like a meditation, you know. Um, and just being in that witness or that awareness consciousness state. Uh, yeah, I'm not always there. I can be really identified with my thoughts and my egoic identity and my mind a lot, <laughs> and then you know, then my body starts cramping up, and I'm like, "Ow!" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's a good gauge.
1: Yeah, there's a very good gauge, actually.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking that something we were talking about earlier went through my mind and came went, um, but something about yeah. uh, uh, relating to oneself in a certain way with that fullness of open heartedness and just presence is, and just that that connection is really about relationships as well, you know, where, um, I keep using the example of, uh, talking to a stranger and not really paying attention and not really, uh, listening or not really looking at them. And, uh, if we realize that we can actually gather our energy and fully arrive mm. and, and actually be there. And, uh, somebody said to me, well, it's the same with long-term relationships, you know, you don't really listen anymore. Right. And you know how everything's going to end. And, you know, whether it's a friendship or whatever, and right. and I think that is so true. You know that uh, so much depends just on the quality of our attention.
0: Yeah, and that that beginner's mind as though we're as though we're aliens that landed on Earth, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, boom! I'm in this room. You know, and whoa! Yeah. Look at that bottle. What is that? Yeah. You know, and then that that movement. You know, I'm always I'm often fascinated with the movement toward definition. You know, like I can mm-hmm. be having a direct experience of a sunset or looking at a blanket or. You know, and then all of a sudden the word blanket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and I got I got that in Mississippi. You know, and just the, all the stories that kinda mm-hmm. they they're desperately wanting to swoop in like a like an egoic movement
1: that mm-hmm. just wants to
0: scoop it all away and define it and concretize it and one dimensionalize it and move on, you know? Mm-hmm. It's 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 violent sometimes and it's yeah. It's entertaining too though. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> just look at that. Look at <laughs> you know, there's yeah. so much.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So when you say love is a verb, uh, which I would also agree with. Um,
0: yeah. It can be a verb. I mean, I, there's so yeah. many, it's so fun to chase defining love. You know, I, yeah. sometimes I call it a verb. Sometimes I call it a, um, it can be a felt sense too, you know, and for me in the body. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not singularly that though. Um, and then I also, I draw it a lot because in, in, I, I can't draw. It was not a gift I was given, but I can draw stick people mm-hmm. really well. So I draw two stick people facing each other, and one is saying in the in the talk bubble, one says you, and then mm. the other stick figure says no you,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and that's how I define love a lot when I, when I have a piece of paper in front of me. But um, just for me, it's a, about expressing with each other, having the the direct experience with each other of who we actually are. Uh-huh. You know, consciousness meeting consciousness, love meeting love, awareness meeting awareness, light blending into light. You know, and there's so many ways to do it. That's why it's so fun to be here and why I'm still okay with being in a body.
1: Yeah, yeah, Because
0: there's so many ways to do that.
1: I mean, it just perpetually blows me away that everything we go through and still, yeah, you know, we, our hearts move toward love. And, yeah. And that's what we um, – it's almost like, you know, plant in the sun. It's like we just move there.
0: Yeah. And we get through that cement if we have to. Yeah, yeah. And, and if we don't, you know, for those of us who feel stuck and under the cement still and that yeah. that perfect little weed has not come out yet, you yeah. know, that, that that there's still the movement toward it. Yes. You know, it's still trying to find the crack.
1: <laughs> yeah, and maybe the crack will find us, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to finish in a way um, – by reading something of yours that feels so on point and is actually quite Buddhist where you said the truth of who we are is innate goodness and the whole journey is really about removing any obstacles or fa- or false belief that keeps us from knowing that hmm. yeah that's, that's a hard thing to have confidence in you know for many people
0: yeah and, w- and when you say confidence you mean to to live by that you mean or
1: to live by it or even you know people often say innate goodness, you know, like one of my uh, Tibetan teachers, you know, kind of playing with the language has come to say innate okayness, yeah, you know, because goodness, goodness was so like fraught. a bridge too far, you know. Well, I,
0: th- I think what's happened is that in this realm of dualism, mm-hmm. we have everything. We have our, our tall and short, we have our cold and hot, we have all that, so, and that's fun in terms of, it, of this playground being, you know, a, a playground of relativity and dualism, mm-hmm. but but the one thing, and, and I struggled with this for a long time, the one thing that I believe is not subject to dualism is the core truth of love and peace and joy mm-hmm. and light that we are. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as many, sh- you know, I'm so Jungian-oriented and shadow and, and parts process, internal family systems oriented, but the one thing that can't be subject to, to this dual, the to the, the, the gorgeousness and violence of dualism is this innate... Okayness or goodness mm-hmm. or light, you know, and even even having a word attempt to to shape it is is comical and sweet, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, and fun. Um, so so yeah, that's the one thing that's not subject to it, and I and I think the word good is so fraught these days because it it goes hand in hand with its its bedfellow bad, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if we could just take those words out, that would be so convenient.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I I really agree with you, and it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful perspective on life. I think it, it um, in Buddhism, when they say everybody wants to be happy, you know, it's, uh, and everybody has a capacity for wholeness and clarity and uh, connection and care. Everybody has that. And it's usually kind of covered over <laughs> and hard to find and, and maybe hard to trust, but it's absolutely there. It could never, ever be destroyed. But, you know, as people often counter that with, you know, there's so much violence and so much exploitation and you know, how can you say we are innately good, you know, that mm-hmm. and but I really do believe that, you know, well, I with, think
0: I think the violence is the is the protest from about the lie of us not being good. And yeah. Sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No,
1: no. no. Please go on. It's yeah, no, you
0: know, it's, yeah, that um, and I and I think words do get us into trouble as much as I love them because the good and the bad and the, you know, the the acting's out, you know, that that i keep thinking of the actings out of the violence and the murder and the yeah. you know i just think of it as a protest it's mm-hmm. a protest a- around the lie of of us not being aware or or given the credence for uh the truth of who we are which is this light you know it's mm-hmm. these miracles walking around and so much of it is affected by the body too you know it's, like i said like we talked mm-hmm. about a few minutes ago with the brain and the biochemical and the, you know, there's so many, there's so many elements that one synapse or one neural firing that, that tweaks. And all of a sudden our behavior can change and Mm -hmm. we think we're our behavior and, um, certainly behavior, you know, there, there's some boundaries being set around them, especially in children or people who are acting out in ways Mm -hmm. that are really violent, but it's still behavior. It's not the core of who we are.
1: Yeah. That's wonderful. Oh, so on that note, I hope I get to meet you, like really meet you. I mean, yeah, I feel I've like really know. met you, but you know, in the body.
0: To, yeah, yeah, in the body, eye, eyeballs to eyeballs. I'd love to have snacks with you.
1: <laughs> That'd be great. So, um,
0: and thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I just uh, doing a quiet bow to you. I uh, I love this conversation. Thank you for inviting. Thank me.
1: Thank you so much, and and uh, I can't wait to see your book.
0: Yay! Can't wait to keep reading <laughs> yours. <laughs> thank great. you. Bless.
1: Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. For more information about Sharon's many offerings and her teaching schedule, please visit her website at sharonsalzburg.com.